This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Father, thank you so much for our wonderful Savior. Our wonderful Savior is Jesus, our Lord. And Lord, as we now begin to see the the beginning of it all, the sufferings, Lord, that you would uh, uh, just touch our minds and our hearts that, Lord, we we might um, see as you saw your dear son giving his life for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Matthew 26, 57, verse 57. And they that had laid hold on Jesus, led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off into the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and elders and all the councils sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, this fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, answers thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, nevertheless I say unto you, hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting in the, on the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, You've spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard this blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face, buffeted him. Others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? The great trial that Jesus has already endured in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's over. Now, why do I say that? That trial, in that trial, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and brought to the point of death from what he saw, he saw in the Garden of Gethsemane, the great betrayal of Judas Iscariot. He saw the abandonment of the disciples. He saw the official of his own Jewish people 
put on, put on this mock trial and condemn him to death. He saw himself being set below a human being as he would be spitting in his face. He saw the hairs of his beard being pulled off. He saw his face that would be beat up. He saw how he'd be pushed into an, an investigation by Annas, and then he'd be pushed into an investigation by Caiaphas, and then an investigation by Pilate, and then an investigation by Herod, and then an investigation by Pilate again. He saw how his own Jewish people would cry out, for his blood, and they would say that they would take responsibility for his blood that would fall on them and on their children. He saw how his own Jewish people would value a low-down, rotten murderer named Barabbas over him. He saw how the skin of his back would be ripped off from the scourging. He saw how he'd be judged for the sins of the world. He saw how he would stumble under the weight of the cross when he was going for to his final place of execution, he saw how he was gonna be nailed to a cross, he saw how a common thief nailed to a cross next to him would mock him, he saw how his last possessions, his clothes would be gambled away, he saw how God the Father would forsake him for bearing the sins of the world, and, and, and during all of this, he saw how he would look for comforters and he would find none, he saw that all of that in the Garden of Gethsemane, it nearly crushed him under the load. And in fact, if it was not for that angel that God the Father had sent to him, he would have crushed him. But now, he emerges from the Garden of Gethsemane and he's in a state that can be described by one word, and that word is ready. He's ready now. He's seen it all. He knows what's gonna happen and he's settled it in his mind and he's now ready and so now it all is beginning now. It's starting in verse 57. In verse 57 with these words, and they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away. This is the part one. This is the first part of his passion, of his sufferings when he's dying for our sins. It's this night this night when it all happens, the night of his arraignment in the Jewish court called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin court, it's all assembled there. It's been assembled with the goal, with the purpose to try him, accuse him, try him, convict him, and condemn him to death. And seated in this court are the chief priests and the scribes and the elders They've all come from their homes, out of their homes. They're all assembled there in that court. It's so strange because the Sanhedrin court does not meet at night. This is not normal. The Sanhedrin court meets in the daytime. As a matter of fact, Jewish law had it that the Sanhedrin was not allowed to convict a person in the night. But with Christ in their hands, a great exception has to be made. So it's during this night in the dead of the night, in the middle of the night, everyone else is sound asleep, they're comfortable in their beds, but not Christ and not this court. It's been called to convict and condemn Christ to death. And all these seated scribes and elders and the chief priests there, they've all denied themselves sleep that night. They'll stay up all night, they'll go through the, to the morning just so that they can destroy Christ because the destruction of Christ is the utmost priority for them. And as we look at those seated who are gonna, be, who are gonna judge in Christ, we see in verse 
in, in verse 57 that there's the chief priest, but there's the, there's the high priest, rather, but there's this chief priest, this chief high priest, and it's Caiaphas, and he will serve as the final judge for all the chief priests. The chief priests, who are these chief priests? These chief priests are supposed to be caring for the people. They're supposed to be interceding for the people. And standing before them will be the only person who has ever had the title of the great high priest, Jesus Christ. And who, according to Hebrews 7.24, Hebrews 7.24 says about Christ, he continues ever, he has an unchangeable priesthood, Wherefore, he's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. In other words, who will be standing in front of these chief priests will be their model, their model of who they should be like. And they're gonna condemn this one to death. The chief priests should really come and bow and worship Christ as the great high priest. And then in verse 57, we see that there's also seated there this group called the scribes. The scribes. Who are the scribes? The scribes are the experts in the law. They're the experts in the Bible. They're experts in the word of God. These scribes are supposed to be like the prophets to the Jewish people, telling the people what God says. They're supposed to be teaching the the people truth. Well, standing before them will be the, would be the one whom all the scripture testifies of. He said, search the scriptures. You think that in them you have eternal life? They are they which testify of me. So he's the only person that will ever have the title of, Jesus Christ is the only person who will ever have the title of the truth. These are men, these scribes who have dedicated to the truth, John 14, 6. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. They should have looked at Christ when he stood before, when he'll stand before them. They should have said the words of Philip in John 145. John 145, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. But instead, They said, we found him, and now we can condemn him to death. They will not bow and worship Christ, which they should, saying that he was the one whom Moses and the prophets wrote about. Instead, they're gonna pass judgment on him. And then in verse 57, in verse 57, we see a group there called the elders. The elders, who are these? These are the rulers of the people. These are the ones who are, they're like the kings who lead the people and rule over the people. Standing before them will be the only one who ever has had the title of 1 Timothy 6.15, 1 Timothy 6.15. Jesus Christ, the only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords. But they won't bow to him. They won't worship Christ as their king. Instead, they'll sit in judgment of Christ and condemn him to death. And they, the elders, will be the most vehement in their condemnation of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ uniquely threatened their positions. 
as rulers as so many people followed Christ. So they are filled with jealousy against Jesus Christ. So this is the makeup of the court. These are the three classes of people, the chief priests, the, the prophet scribes, and the king elders, and they're all gonna stand before the only person who was all three, Christ the prophet, Christ the priest, Christ the king. But collectively, this assembled group of prophets, priests, and kings will all unite their voices to condemn to death the highest prophet, priest, and king, Jesus Christ, who's gonna stand before them. And they're all there. The chief priests are there, the prophet scribes are there, the king elders, they've all been assembled at the palace, at the home of the chief priest, Caiaphas. They've all been there for many hours, days, possibly days. They've been waiting for this, this all-important arrest and transport of the prisoner, Jesus Christ, to stand trial before them. They've been there since, for instance, verse three of this chapter, verse three, Matthew 26, three. Then assembled together the chief priests, the scribes, the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest who's called Caiaphas, and they consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. So they have not been silent during those hours that they've been together, maybe days, but they've been assembled there in the palace of the high priest Caiaphas, and they've been consulting with each other. They've been talking. How are they going to catch him? How are they going to arrest Christ? How are they gonna kill him? How exactly are we gonna do that is what they're, the topic of their conversation. And they were really at an impasse, and they didn't really know how to do it until there was that knock on the door. There was that, that knock on the door, and there was a man who had come specifically to talk to the chief priests, and that man was a man who had one question, what will you give me? In verse 14, verse 14, then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. That was their lucky day. That was their break that they were wanting so much. It was Judas Iscariot came knocking and it changed the whole meeting there from a meeting of we want to kill Jesus to a meeting of we will kill Jesus. It went from desire to reality with Judas Iscariot and now they had a plot. Now they had a plot and now they've sent the temple soldiers to accompany Judas Iscariot and seize Jesus and now all this group has to do of the chief priests, the elders and the scribes just wait, just sit there and wait to see if Jesus is really gonna be brought to them or if he's gonna do as he's done in the past so many times, escape out of their hands. Or if this is gonna be the time when they really have Jesus as their prisoner and they get their chance to try, convict, and condemn him to death. So the anticipation is pretty great. It's pretty great and it's Passover time, and it's the time that, 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 that Jesus Christ has hands laid on him, as it says in that verse, to arrest him. Well, it's also that time 
when the families have gone into their sheep pens and they've laid their hands on the family lambs that will be sacrificed as the family Passover lambs. So at that same time, when families are separating the Passover lambs to check them out, to make sure that their Passover lambs are, are accepted, acceptable, that they don't have any blemish, that they don't have any deformities and so forth, that was what the families were doing. At that very same time, Jesus Christ is arrested, and he is arrested as the John 1.29, John 1.29, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So at the time when the families are apprehending the Passover lamb, at that time, God the Father is also having his family of man, Passover lamb of God apprehended, and that's Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. He's apprehended in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane is outside the city of Jerusalem, and the palace of the high priest Caiaphas is inside the city of Jerusalem, which means, so when it says in verse 57, verse 57, they led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, that means that Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God has to be brought from the outside of Jerusalem into the city of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem is a walled city. It's a walled city, and that means, but Jerusalem must be entered through, is entered through gates, and Jesus will be led into what's called the sheep gate, the sheep gate. That's the only gate that animals for sacrifice were led into the city through. And the animals for sacrifice were first brought to the priest, first brought to the priest so that the priest could examine to be sure that the animal for sacrifice didn't have any blemish, didn't have any imperfection, because that was what the law stated in Leviticus 17.5. Leviticus 17.5, where it says, to the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices which they offer in the open field, even that they may bring them unto the Lord, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, unto the priest, to offer them for peace offerings unto the Lord. So if someone wanted to bring a, an animal for a sacrifice to God, he would bring that animal through the sheep gate in Jerusalem there directly to the priest who then would examine the animal and determine if that really was a spotless animal, but without blemish, qualified to be offered as sacrifice to God. Therefore, in verse 57, when Jesus was arrested and was led just like the lambs, just like the animals, through the sheep gate into Jerusalem, Jesus Christ was brought directly to the priest to be examined to see if he was, in fact, without blemish, just like the animals that were used for sacrifices. And at the end of the priest's examination, or what is we call the trial of Jesus Christ, the only crime that they found to convict him of and condemn him to death was that he said he was the Messiah the Son of God, that was true, but that's what they used. And as, as Tim pointed out earlier in the meeting this morning, where they put the sign over his cross, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews, that was his accusation that he was guilty of, which was true also. They found, they searched, and they searched, and they searched, 
and they found no other crime and no other sin that Jesus Christ was guilty of. In other words, the priest examined the sacrifice Jesus Christ and found him to be as 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18 says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's what was happening here at this trial. The priest searching and searching and searching. Which of you convinces me of sin, Jesus Christ had already said, and found nothing other than he said the truth, which was he was, he was the Messiah and the Son of God, King of the Jews. So the lambs are examined by the priest. Jesus Christ is interrogated by the priest. He's found to be sinless, without blemish, without spot. So as Christ is being led to the priest, Peter is following far behind. He's, he's way behind. Verse 58, verse 58, Peter followed him afar off under the high priest's palace and went in, sat with the servants to see the end. So here's Peter. Peter's there. And the question is, why is Peter following Christ? What's he doing there? Is Peter following Christ so that Peter can stand up at the trial and say, I have something to say. I have something to say. I, I have something to say in defense of Christ, in defense of Jesus? Is that what he's doing? No, not at all. That's not why Peter's there. Is Peter following Christ so that he can be identified as, I will stand for Christ, so Peter can support Christ and be with Christ? No, sadly, that's not why he's there. Is Peter there because he's gonna live up to his promise, to what he said, his promise he made earlier to Christ in verse 33, verse 33, Peter answered and said unto him, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended? That why he's there? Is he there because he said in Luke 22:33, Luke 22:33, he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee, both into the prison and to death. Is that why he's there? Or as he said in John 13, 37, John 13, 37, Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I follow thee now, I'll lay down my life for thy sake. Is Peter now following Christ? Because Peter is now willing to lay down his life and die with Christ? Sadly, not at all, no. Well then why is he following Christ? As it says at the end of verse 58, verse 58, to see the end, to see the end. He's curious, he wants to see what's gonna happen to Christ, that's all, and Peter is staying far behind to not be identified with Christ. Christ already has told Peter, you can't go, Peter. You can't go where I'm going. John 13, 36, John 13, 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. So Christ has told Peter, you can't go where I'm gonna go now, but afterwards you can come, so what has Peter done? He's thrust himself into this place, into this place of temptation. And whenever anyone thrusts themselves into a temptation, they thrust themselves out of God's protection. And that's where Peter was. Peter had been warned that he would deny Christ three times 
but Peter has not taken that to heart and he's and stayed away because Peter's curiosity is too strong. It's too strong for him to resist and he's gotta see what's gonna happen. And Peter goes into the high priest's palace and he sits down with the servants by a fire to warm himself. Very dangerous place to be, Peter. Very dangerous as Psalm 1-1, Psalm 1-1 says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. That's what he's doing there. He's sitting there, he's standing there with the scornful. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.